This podcast is brought to you by Continuum, proud sponsors of Wessex Wanderers. Hello there, listeners, and welcome to Series 3, Episode 1 of the Wessex Wanderers podcast. Uh, I'm going to be your host for this one. It's uh, it's Ron here, and uh, I'm going to be joined by three guests for this new podcast season. I'm um, going to be joined by, firstly, Trachi, first team manager. How are you, sir? Hello. All right. All good. Uh, Hooper, the reserve team manager, Mark Hooper. Good evening. And finally, the brand new vice chairman of the football club, Mr. Jake Walsh. How are you, sir? Hello, mate. How are you? Living the dream. So just before we get started, um, obviously we've had our, our iconic intro there about our main club sponsor, Continuum. But just a quick shout out to our two new sponsors this season, Auto Sheen Valentin and Adam James Photography. Go on our uh, our socials and put all the links there, and we can take a look at those guys and see what they get up to. Um, but let's get started. So, uh, first of all, we want to have a quick chat about some of the changes that's happened so far at Wessex over the, the pre season and going into the start of the season. So, uh, we've had some changes in the back room. Myself moving away from the uh, the assistant manager role to take up more of a, a backroom social media type role, and uh, Jake's also had a would you call it a promotion, boys? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Jake's uh, Jake's still still general manager, but also now taking on the role of vice chairman. How does that feel for you, Jake? Um, I'm happy with it, really. Um, obviously, it's uh, it's brilliant to be part of this fantastic club anyway um and yeah i'm just delighted that everybody at the club on the committee has their trust in me to step up to be vice chairman thank you we'll cover that a bit more a bit later on but let's um let's have a look at the first thing first of all so Chachi, uh myself as uh i've moved away from from your your backroom staff if you'd like also, we lost lost a fair few players in the in the in the preseason, so things were looking a bit touch and go going into the season, player wise. But things seem to have uh, had a big turnaround. Tell us, uh, tell us your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's been a it's been a good start to the season. Four wins from five. Um, it, it's frustrating because really looking at it, we should be on five wins from five. That Eastern Cowboys blip, but is what it is. I'm I'm quite hard to please. Um, four wins out of five is decent. Oh, I'd have probably took that begrudgingly at the start of the season. So yeah, it's been a good start to the season. Um, yeah, obviously over over the course of the summer, first off, big Ron, you 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 decided to step away. You know, you had so much on your plate, you had to step away from like committing to you know every training session and and match days on a Saturday. So the team of three went from. Well, went went down to to two. Just me and Matt. Me and Matt are, you know, we're, it's a very easy working relationship. We see things the same. Um, we kind of know know each other's mindsets and and our thoughts and how each other work before. It's like like I say like I said when we first come back and and Matt was staying in the management team. Like me and you, Ron, we we were we were a team for a fair few years. And then I'm I'm sure you'll agree when 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 we came back and then we introduced Matt to the fold, it just it just felt so seamless, and 
yeah, it, it still feels the same with me and Matt. I do actually miss having someone on the touchline with me, just to just to, you know I'll bounce ideas. I'll be there Saturday. I'll be there Saturday, first time for the season. Yeah, yeah, but you've already said that you'll be just smashing a load of beer in the bar on the balcony. So that's yeah, there is that. <laughs> but um, where was I? Yes, I, I I do like having someone on the on the touchline just to bounce ideas off of, and, and sometimes I have a rant about something just to get some off my chest. But um, yeah, things th- things are going well with, with, with me and Matt. Like I say, the team of well, we you know considering the what's the word the the change up the the turnaround the. You the transition, the, the, the transition yeah. of the team. That's the word. The transition. Um, you know, we. I'd say we, it's more of an. I'd say it's more of an evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I agree with that word as well. But um, you know, we we lost we lost some big, fairly established players over the summer. Um, oh, I've not really had time to prepare for this. Off, off the top of my head, you know, we lost Sharkey, who was club captain. Uh, Connor Collins in midfield, Rob Dibble in midfield, uh, Jordan up front, uh, Khalil. Khalil had to step away from football. That's apologies if I've missed anyone, but you know, we lost a few over the summer, but particularly even with with with, with just those five names, I'm sure there's more, but you know, those those five names there are, are five players that have, have you know been, been really good players. For the club, some in the short term, some in the long term. When when you're the the manager of the team and you're hearing this player's going, then that player's going. What goes through your mind? How how are you, you know, looking to step things up without knowing where your players are going to come from? Oh, panic! Absolute panic! But I'm I'm panicking most pre seasons. Even you know, even if we retain everyone, I'm I'm you know I'm. <laughs> It's always quite a big recruitment drive in the summer, but this this was probably the biggest yet. You know, with when we knew we were losing losing a couple, and, and it was likely that a couple more were going to go. So it was it was a big effort recruitment wise, and I think you know before preseason games started, we're we're thinking, you know, we've, it's not going exactly to plan. You know, you highlight particular positions where you'd like. A couple, a bit more competition, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then, sort of steadily over the course of pre-season, we'd have one or two, maybe three each week. For you know, for the whole for the whole club, some some you'd quickly identify. Yeah, they've got they've got potential. They or they've got the quality to play first team football. But I think we recruited heavily as a club. But you know, if if you look at those that have played uh, first team football. This season, you know, not not counting pre-season, um, I'll, I'll work my way sort of position-wise. Paul Paul Cameron, new keeper, he's played a game for the first team. Uh, we've had two new right backs playing: Shane Rose and Finn Wills. Uh, Joe Egglestaff recently come into the team and absolutely smashed it at centre back. Uh, Bonge Ben Pocock, that's a fifth one. He, uh, I mean, he's not new to the club, but a returning face. On that note, Charlie Kempson, another returning, still a new signing, but a returning ex-player. Jack Costerton, who's come in and made a massive impression. Oh, God, who else is there? Asan Sow, 
has come in and played the first two games. Goitam, Asphal on the wing. Goitam has been brilliant. Ross Churn. Like, like Ross, Ross Churn and, and Jack Costerton came pretty much the week before and the week of the season kicking off. Bit of a welcome surprise, wasn't it, those two? Yeah. So what's, what have I named there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's ten players already who have played first-team football. You had Mohamed so just- Kilo, who's who's he's, he, he had a game. He's He's gone a bit quiet. He's gone a bit off the radar. I'll tell you another one who's popped into my mind now. He hadn't played a ball yet for the club, but he turned up training last week and again last night. Samuel Souza, Brazilian lad. He... God knows where he's going to end up in the club, which team he's going to slot into, but that, that that's a player of ability as well. So, you know, we're we're five weeks or five games into the season now, and you know, recruitment's still sort of still going on. And I mean, looking at looking at those players you just named, then you know, if, if we talk about the players that we we've lost from last season, Sharky, Connor, Dibble, etc., and then you. You can't really compare any of them to the to the new players that have come in, but in your mind, where does that leave us as a team? You know, you look at last season when when we came back in, the objective was to secure our our position in the league. I feel ultimately we still kind of could have done better last season. This season with this new core of players, we've we've had a fantastic start. What what's the yeah. comparison you make? Between last season and this season, do you think it's just a, like the like Hooper said, it's just evolved into a something a bit more cohesive, or is is there individuals? Do you think? So for me, so genuinely, like you know, we we lost players of quality at the end of last season, but I I genuinely believe we we are we're a better team right now in in terms of a, a, a ability. I I I'm. And we haven't, remember, there's been a lot of changes. It hasn't fully clicked yet. We're not the finished article. We're still we're still in second gear and we're grinding out these results. But I think in terms of quality, we're a much better, well, I'll say we're a better team. But also, the characters, it's not just the ability that we've recruited, the characters, we have, we have got some top lads in there, sensible lads. You know, the dressing room's in a fantastic place. I wouldn't say there's... Any egos? Well, maybe one, <laughs> but we won't go into that. Uh, that's not one of the new boys, but yeah, we're in a fantastic place. The only place I'd say we're so we we so George Evans obviously departed the club. We didn't get a striker in, you know. It 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 would have been nice to get another striker in to have a bit of competition. Ollie, you know, Ollie's done Ollie's done well for us this season. It it, it you know it, we it would be nice to have someone really clipping at his heels, pushing him and pushing him and pushing him, you know, or, you know, the option to have a bit of rotation or heaven forbid if, if Ollie gets injured or, you know, isn't around centre forward is probably a, a position where I'd I'd like one one more number. But, you know, I'm yeah. I'm always I'm always looking and, you know, planning and yeah. yeah you know, I, 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 I think competition is is always key for 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 a club at, at any level, really. But if you've only ever got one person for a position, you know things can quite easily go back to the old ways. But if you've got a bit of competition, then you know it, it keeps everybody doing what they should be doing. And in terms of you know where where you're saying you're at as a team, I, I fully agree. I think there's been a massive improvement 
um, both on and off the pitch for the first team. But I want to extend this question out to, to Hooper now. Um, so obviously with everything that Josh has just said about, you know, losing players and panicking and recruiting here and recruiting there, as much of a headache as that is for him as the first team manager, we all know that as the reserve manager, it's kind of exemplified because anything he has to do will also directly affect you. So how are you finding it and how has it affected the reserves going into the season for you? Yeah, obviously Trotty covered the, the the vast majority of the players who have come in. And um, yeah, it, it, it affected a lot of preparation for the season. A lot of the a lot of the preseason games were um the availability wasn't wasn't fantastic, but we still had a good preseason. I was still happy with it. The fitness levels um at the club, it, it's not necessarily down to personnel. It was down to our preparation. So it's something that when 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 Trotty and, and you Ron, when you joined the club um around Christmas last year, or it was actually in the new year, um fitness was still a massive issue for us as a as a football club across all three teams. And it was one of our primary focuses going into into this preseason was to to sort of get rid of that 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 non uh, recruitment issue. It was something that we felt one of the one of one of the only things I felt that we actually had full control over. Um, so we worked on that heavily in the preseason, and every single player that I think that we've got on our books at the moment, you know, eighty plus, are all in a position where they can they can do ninety minutes already. Um, the, the fitness levels at the club are, are very, very good. And that's down to, to us as, as the, the management team and down to the players for um, taking on board what we said and doing the hard work. And, and at the moment, that hard work is, is sort of paying off. But in terms of the recruitment, you know, I think, um, I think it, it has to be said, and I don't like doing this, but Trotty has to, has to sort of has to accept the the responsibility, the good responsibility for the recruitment that happened over the summer because without him going out and, you know, using all of his minutes and data on his phone to, to drag people kicking and screaming to the club, we, we wouldn't be where we are now. And of course, any quality that goes into that first team filters down into the reserves and ultimately into the Colts as well. Um We've we've announced three teams this week. This I think is the second, maybe third week that we've we've put three teams out, which is a challenge for any club at glass at, um, grassroots level. Uh, and, and we've got three teams going out this Saturday that are are good teams, capable of winning a football match. And you know you'll know from from being at the club for a while, Ron. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Uh, it's it's difficult, but. It has to be said, Trotch has done a, a really, really great job of of bringing players into the club. But it's something that never we we never rest, we never stop. There's still areas, there's still players that we we want to bring bring back to the club or bring to the club uh, that will only enhance the the squad that we've got. I can't. I'll, I'll jump in there, Oops. I can't take. Full credit. I, I mean, a few of them just just messaged the Facebook group off their own back, kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. And, and again, you know, a couple of them were good. And to touch on what you said about fitness as well, I remember. I think it was the the second to last friendly, or maybe the third to last friendly. 
I can't remember who I said it to, but I because although I wanted the club last like last preseason, I came to watch a few games and the fitness levels were shocking. And I remember, you know, the second to last friendly, we'll call it, turning around to someone and saying, God, the, the fitness levels compared to this point 12, 12 months ago, chalk and cheese. Yeah. So and and you know the, the I I know we pushed them, but fair play to the to the players who. You know, obviously, put that effort in as well. Yeah, I think the fitness levels were better um, towards the start of the preseason. Uh, sorry, towards the end of the preseason compared to the end of our regular season last season, which is crazy. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, we we should never be in that position where you know we were making we were making a road run in Chris. You know, after the New Year break. And we were beasting them as much as possible. But at that point, um, you know, some of the damage had already been done in terms of the results that we probably should have had. And we weren't in a position to to capitalise on on having good technical players at the club. But they were good technical players who were knackered after an hour. Whereas right now, after watching, you know, quite a few games this season, we're, we're, we're not there. And it's, it's on us to continue that now, I think. Yeah, and I, I think, like you said, Hooper, the, the staff, the coaches can take credit for that, for the sessions they put in, put on, but also the, the players have, you know, they've kind of answered the challenge, haven't they? You know, we, we kind of stuck on them a little bit and said, this is where we want you to be. And a massive percentage of them have got their, got themselves there. So I think it's a, a huge well done to, to everybody, you know, coaches and players included. Um, I just want to pick up on one point, Hooper, that you said about, you know, this Saturday, for the, the second or third time this season, we're putting out three teams. And, you know, when I when I look at the three teams that are going out on Saturday, it's not just three teams being put out. We are actually putting out three very good sides, which is something that perhaps we've lacked in the past, you know, that depth and quality between each level of football. For you as the reserve team manager, do you think that makes it easier for you or harder? Because, you know, what you know Trotchy's going to be doing now is he knows that he can look at that reserve squad because there are several players, even this this week going out, there are several players in that squad that have been in and around the first team for long spells of time. So by you kind of having that good squad, it makes Trotchy look at you a little bit more. Does that give you a good headache, a bad headache? Does it worry you at all? Or is it just part and parcel being reserve team manager? I'm already falling out with Trotty over this. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good, bad problem to have. So, you know, he's met, Trotty's mentioned, you know, a couple of players who have who have started off in the reses, but have gone uh, gone up to the first team. And of course, that's something that we as a club have always encouraged. It's part of the player pathway that, that we've got, which is, you know, a clear and defined route to go, you know, from, from the newly set up, uh, reserve, um, sorry, the newly set up youth team that we've got, uh, or youth teams that we've got, you know, into that adult mix, which is obviously the, th- the three teams that we've got: first team, reserve team, and Colts. Um, but yeah, it, it's a it's a good problem to have. Let's let's face it when you, when you're naming three three teams for a Saturday, and you know, I've I've changed formation, for example, this week, so I, I've I've gone with a with a three five two. There, there have been there, there are, there's almost been months 
uh, on end consecutive months where you could look at the availability and go, I'm struggling to put two centre-backs together this week, let alone having the, you know, that sort of uh, the free reign to, to, to just pick a third or to, you know, tinker, for lack of a better word, with, with what we've got. But no, it, it's good. It, it gives the players that that added that added sort of incentivization to look at their performance, look at their look at their performance week in week out, and go, I'm not just going to stay in one team. I can work my way up. And equally, if a player goes into the reses from the first team, they know that there's every single chance that they can earn their way back there. There are no closed doors uh, at this club. Um, which is Definitely. yeah, it, it, it's it's a good it's a good problem to have. But still, if Trotty could stop nicking my players, that would be um, that would be, be brilliant. To touch on that, oops, like this season, Toby. Uh, sorry, this this week, Toby Peters ain't around. Good centre back. You're you're missing your centre back powerhouse captain, Big Steph, and yet you're still putting out a good back three. Like yeah, definitely. Who'd, who'd have thought that earlier in pre-season? And, ju- and just to touch on, f- from my perspective, this this added competition is brilliant for me because the second half of last season when we came back, we were, it was quite simplistic. It was, it was pick what I feel is the strongest team on paper. That, that, was, that was my approach. What, what I've got the option of doing now is selecting different personnel different systems, different tactics to cater for each individual game. Did it last week. You know, I'll use Charlie Kempson as an example. He was he was captain the week before. Um, had a good game. Uh, and then, who did we just play? Redbridge. We, we played Redbridge the weekend, got the 1-0 win. And looking at it, I, I, I just wanted to adapt for that specific game. And what, what, what the squad... Gives me is is that option to just just chop and change. You don't don't ever want to do wholesale changes, but it gives you that those options to just tweak. Just bring someone in who's maybe more suited to their style, then bring the other one back in. It's it's really healthy competition at the moment, and I'm loving it. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, Jen, just want to bring you in. Obviously, um, John isn't available. He's currently sunning himself. Somewhere. Where is he? Where is he? Does anyone actually know where he is? He's, he's, on, he's on the plane at the moment. He's on the plane at the moment. He's flying back from Turkey. Ah, fair play. Was he going to get his teeth done or something? Has he? <laughs> Maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, so with John not being there, Jake, uh, I know obviously as general manager and as we touched upon earlier, new vice chairman, um, you've been working really closely with John in terms of transitioning him into the the Colts management role. Um, but just from your point of view, having that connection with the Colts, you know, we've spoken about the differences in in the, the first team of the reserves from last season to this season. How have you seen that transition going for the Colts so far under John with the way things have been going this season? Um, apart from an iffy few weeks recently, I, I think from the off since John's come in he, he's been fantastic I'm sure everybody on the com- on the committee can agree with that um, obviously no disrespect to anybody from last season but the difference and this is across the whole club um, but the difference from last season to this season is remarkable um, as to how we're performing on the pitch and how well things are going off the pitch 
um, from a Colts perspective. Um, I think Karps has taken the role very well. It, it's not easy coming into a new club, especially of this size, with like tooting our own horns. Um, and I think he's established himself with the players very well. Um, he gets on with them all. He's got a strong bond with them already. And and you know, like he, when he came into the club, he he took that straight away. Whereas you know, I'll use myself for example. It took me a while to settle. I'm not gonna lie. But with Carps, he he got stuck in straight away, and I think that's helped build a relationship within not only the Colts but throughout the whole club. Um. Like I said, start of the season, got off to a really good start um, with a two-all draw and then a win to follow. Um, since then, it's taken a bit of a turn, um, but that's just part of football. Um, and, you know, I do believe that the Colts are on the right pathway. Obviously, we have, a um, <clears throat> like Hoops touched on earlier on, we've got quite a few new youth teams which we can use from an under-18s perspective. Um, with, the whole point of the Colts is to encourage under-18s to come up and play, give them a bit of a taste of adult football. Um, we've already done that this season. Um, with I, I can't even name them all. We've used loads. Um, one of which, um, a 17-year-old being captain for a couple of games, he's now injured. So, obviously, he's not around at the moment, um, James Wickham. And, um, you know, I think we... we, we, we told Carps what the plan was with the Colts and not only has he put his own little spin on it in terms of making it his own team, he's also taken on board what the club wants from the Colts in terms of what they're for, encouraging youth um, and, and everything else. And I think Carps has gotten off to a really good start. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head where where you say, you know, the club kind of put our vision to him of you know what we see the Colts for. But ultimately what he's done is he's taken that and he's he's kind of put his own little spin on it as well. Um I think he's done really well with using, you know, the handful of under 18s players, um, like James Wickham, like Dre, like Dom. You know, and n- none of them look out of place in that in that Colts team. And I think that's a testament to to how He's hit the ground running, which is helping them to do the same. Do you agree? Hundred percent. And and just based, uh, just touching on a few of the other lads that you've just mentioned there. Dom was making his debut, albeit last season before uh, Carps come in. Um, but excuse me, and I and I, I appreciate this is part of the whole club, but Carps in particular, he's getting the best out of these youth players. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's been receiving nothing but compliments, and you got the likes of Dom Dre they've all changed their game completely. They all around the club last season, apart from um, James Wickham. But if you look at Dom and Dre, they were around the club last season. And like I said, there's no disrespect to anybody else, but the difference between them then and now is completely different. And it just shows what Carps' impact, uh, what what it's played in serving the purpose of what the Colts is actually for. Um, you know, Dom finished his GCSEs in the summer. Um, I remember Carps having a conversation with him saying, like, look, this is your year. We're, we're going to hit the ground running. And already Dom's proven a point. And the same with Dre. Dre plays under 18. Well, Dom and Dre play under 18. But we're hearing from Tom, who does all the youth stuff. And the feedback that he's being, uh, he's given on these lads 
is um, very positive and very encouraging. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the next couple of years is going to bring, really. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, having those players doing what they're doing is, is only going to be a good thing, you know, for the reserves and, and ultimately the first team in, you know, as, as we move as we move forward. So that's that's kind of the Colts, but a little bit more about you then, Jake, in terms of this this promotion, if you like, to, to vice chairman. Um, obviously, we lost Mike over the summer. He's, he's decided to stay, take a step back. Um, and I mean, from... From my point of view, and I'm sure the rest of the committee would agree, it was a bit of a no-brainer, you know, with, with the relationship you've got with the players and the club. It it kind of made sense that you would quite easily step into that role. How, how have you found that adjustment? It, you know, is, is there much of an adjustment or is it kind of business as usual for you? I, I feel it's, it's business as usual. I, I feel it's a big responsibility to take on, 100%. Um, and there are a few things that I've had to do differently. Um, changed my approach with a couple of things and I'm doing a few more things off the pitch now compared to what I was doing last season but like you said um, and some of the lads may listen to this thinking what's he on about but I do feel that I have a strong relationship with all the lads at the club um, and I, I think that that helps that will definitely help me carry out my duties as vice chair uh, more efficiently because um, the last thing I want is to um not beyond anyone's bad terms, obviously, but in, I, I want to have a good relationship with everybody at the club, especially the players, because without the players, we ain't got a club. So, you know, um, I, I feel it's business as usual. Like I said, there's a few things that I'm having to do differently, um, take on and stuff like that, but it just comes with it and I'm really enjoying it. And um, again, like I said earlier on, I'm looking forward to what the future holds and yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. And for, for me, you know, for, for me, it just feels like constant evolution. Again, you know, it, we're just evolving as a club. And to, and to, to rewind slightly as well, you know, we, we talked about how how well we recruited over the summer. Carps has got to go down as one of the best acquisitions we made over the summer. You know, it it, it was quite deep into pre-season. Um, and we were still looking at, well, we were still finding ourselves in a position with no no Colts manager lined up. He came out of nowhere. We met him. We all really liked him. Good football bloke. We sent him for the interview. He obviously did well in the interview. And then, you know, from that moment on, he didn't sort of dip his toes in. He, you know, he, he jumped in fully. He was, he was active in training. He was, you know, re- really proactive behind the scenes. I think he wanted to arrange a friendly that week as well, didn't he? Like straight away. Yeah, yeah. you know he's he's a proper football bloke. He's he's a top bloke. Yeah, I think we've done really well to get him. But yeah, and 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 to go back to Jake, I think it's a it's it's just really good for the club. And like, and I think you used you used the term Ron. It was the logical choice is to have Jake step in his vice chair as well as you know it's, it's a lot of work for you, Jake, vice chair plus you know keeping your your general manager role, but well done, please for you and and you're smashing it. Keep smashing it. Thank you. Yeah, it's t- touching on what you've just said there. It, it it can be a lot, but at the end of the day, you know, it's what makes the, all of us chipping in together is what makes the club tick. And um, just just going back to Carps, uh, which I didn't mention earlier on, um, I, I was part of that interview process, and it was one of those moments where it may be a bit far fetched, but you 
me, Lynn and Gaffer all looked at each other on occasions and we all just knew straight away that Cox was the man for the job. Um, and like you said, he hasn't come in and tiptoed his way through. He's just come in and grabbed uh, the scruff of the neck. I well, nearly said something else then. But um, he, he's just Fine taken... He's just, he's just, yeah, he's just taken the role with everything that he's got. And, and you'd think, looking at him and the relationship he already has with the players and the stuff that he brings to the table, you, you'd think he'd have been around the club for years, not not being his first season at the club. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, and, and I, I think, it, like, you know, like Trotty said, we all, we all think that both of you have done a, a brilliant job um, on, on both counts. And uh, long may it continue. Um, I want to move away from the, these these changes we've had now, and I want to get back to the good stuff, a bit of football. Um, so, Hooper, I'm going to start with you. Um, start to the season on the pitch. It's been a bit of a stop-start, frustrating one for yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been stop-start, like you say. We we got off to the best possible start on on the opening weekend, uh, coming from. 2-0 down to, to secure a free 2 win against a, a difficult Mendit Broadwalk team uh, managed by one of our one of our own uh, ex-players in Del Sheps uh, and there was a couple of familiar faces in in their sort of lineup as well uh, ex Wessex players but it was a good it was a good way to start the season um and then yeah it's just been super frustrating because just before our our season kicked off, we had two teams pull out of the league, which which took us down to I think we've got ten ten teams in in Div Two now. Yeah, yeah just the ten. Just the ten. So it's it's all, we're almost in a mini league sort of scenario at the moment, uh, with the amount of teams that we've got in, in that league. But you know we've st- we've still got a we still got to play a, a lot of games, and we've only we've only played one league game. The, the weekend just gone. We had a game called off an hour before kickoff against Lawrence Weston, uh, which we've been awarded the points for, uh, which which is always, you know, an, a, a nice thing to have when you get a game called off at short notice. But you know, we had we had sixteen lads ready to go, um, you know, travelling to the game. We actually all rocked up at, at Lockleys to to watch the first team game uh, the weekend just gone against Redbridge. Um, and and the only other game that we've had it was a it was a narrow loss on penalties in in the GFA Cup uh, against you know a team in, in our league that really when when we look at it we we should have we we should have won that game in normal time but we've got two more goes at them in the league uh, to 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 make it right but yeah you know we're here what is it now the it's the the twelfth of October. And we've only played two games and had one awarded to us, you know, due to the fact that the the home team couldn't fulfil the fixture by raising a side. So very frustrating. Um, but also, you know, to turn that on its turn that on its head, um, the lads are chomping at the bit to get get into games every time I see them either at training or you know messages and stuff like that. They just want to get. They just want to get on the pitch, and it's the same with me. You know, I'm buzzing for this weekend. We get to have another bite at the the cup cherry, if you like. Um, and you know, we're playing playing a, a team a division higher. They're in Div One. They're they're doing they're doing quite well at the moment. Um, 
but it's on us to you know to play our game to implement our our football on them not the other way around and and you know hopefully come out of it with a big win and progression in the cup which is something that you know we know from a you know from a football perspective whether it's grassroots or whether it's you know you support your your premier league team or your championship team whatever it may be league is your bread and butter but nothing nothing quite beats a a, a bit of a cup run and I, I had a couple in me playing days that I look back on and you know we 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 enjoyed them uh, we did quite well you know getting to a semi and things like that but you know we we want to go the old way and, and if we can you know put something special together for the club you know any of the three teams it would be it would be really special and obviously would give Lynn a big day out yeah definitely and I, I mean you look at it look at it on paper like you said you've you've got the the, the six six out of six points in the league you know ultimately you're you're, you're unbeaten in a 90 minute game in the 90 minute game this season is it difficult with those those big gaps in in game times you know how are you keeping in touch with the players are you making a, a, a bit more of a, a a thing to to make sure you're speaking to them on a, a, a weekly basis with no games, or is it more just a case of letting it flow and seeing what happens? The, the the best thing about it is being you know even though obviously not having games is is in in itself negative, the fact the first team of of had games is is obviously enabled players to to get call ups, um, but also the Colts as well. The Colts have had games where the reserves haven't, and um, it's enabled. Some of the some of the lads to you know keep that match fitness up, but I think I think you know we've touched on the um, the sort of the atmosphere around the club at the moment, and you know Trotty talked about his changing room having a, having a really good sort of feel about it at the moment. The whole club is in is in a really really good space considering the amount of change that we've had to a man. All the all the players that have come in, or even the players that have stayed at the club. They've all just gelled brilliantly, and you know we had it on on Saturday with when the reserves ended up having to to just watch the first team game rather than have our own. We all stuck around. We all watched the game, cheered the lads on, and and then obviously had a had a drink in the bar after to to celebrate the the, the win. Uh, and it, it's it's big for for a manager like you know like us. We we all know what we want from our players. I don't have to keep in touch with these boys to make sure they're still happy, to make sure they're still, um, you know, prepared and ready to, to, to either to train or to, to play games. I just know that they are. But yeah, you know, touching base of them at training and things like that, it's always nice to, to see them. Uh, they might not say the same about me, mind you. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a good place to be at the moment. It's, pro- it's the best it's ever been at Wessex. And that was even looking back to, to my playing days. I think I can, I can say, you know, when we were getting 35 plus week in, week out, turn up to, to training and, and the morale. And there's no, like, like Trutch said, there's no egos. There, there's, there's no bitterness. If a player gets dropped, of course they've got, you know they want to get back. They want they, they and the communication around the club on that front is is really really good as well. And and Jake's been a massive part of that. But yeah, morale around the club is good, and and it makes team selection. Um, yeah, it make, it makes it interesting. Um, but a, but again, in a good way. 
Yeah, and, and long may it continue. Let's uh, let's move that over to the first team now then. So, Trotchy, nine points from 12 in the league through to the second round of the GFA Cup after an absolute cup classic. Um, we ran through the results a little bit earlier, but in terms of on the field and the results, how have you found it? What are your thoughts? How is it looking? Tricky one to answer. Like, pre-season... We had. Um, I'll tell you what was a what was a real key indicator of the, the the dressing room we had. We jumped straight in at the deep end. We played Chip and Sodbury from the Hellenic League. Three 0 loss. We gave them a. We should have took the lead had it not been for a dodgy flag. But getting back in the change room after, we were. It, it was it was a great atmosphere in there. We we felt we really gave them a good game. We gave them a good gave a good account of ourselves and that carried on through pre-season. We were, we were playing some brilliant football. Um, again, chopping and changing, trying to, trying to figure out our best formation, our best partnerships. And since, since the league has started, you know, it is a tough league, the suburban Prem. There's no walkover games in, in that, in that league anymore. It's a, it's a strong league, probably the most difficult league to get out of, get out of. But it's positive because we, I know we haven't clicked. It's not, you know, four wins from five. You'd think we were in top form. We're not. We're not there yet. We've got plenty of gears to shift through. And Saturday just gone was really refreshing for me to use as a highlight. We've we've played and won games where, we you know, we've put 14-11 past the opposition, played magnificent football. The 1-0 game from the weekend against Redbridge was massive for me. We, we, it was it was one of those, we, we won through just heart and grit and determination. And like the old Wessex, I think, you know, come come the last 10 minutes when we're, you know, we're, we're backed into a corner where they're throwing everything at us. I think Wessex of previous, I think, might have folded, ended up drawing the game or, heaven forbid, losing the game. But it was really refreshing to see us win a game of, of football just through like sheer determination and sheer not wanting to lose. Yeah. But yeah, like I say, for me, it's I, I fear for the rest of the league when when we really click into into full swing. I really do. I think we're a match for everyone. I think you know everyone everyone talks about Filton being the favourites in the Prem, and and rightly so. They're a good team, but. By no means. You think tail, tail end of last season, they they only narrowly beat us two one. Yeah. At, at their place at the end of the season, so you know, you're talking of how we've evolved, how we've improved going into this season. You know, if we turn up on our day, we we know that there's nobody in the league that we can't at least give a good game to. Absolutely, and like you know, Avonmouth were at the league last season. It, it, you look at Avonmouth last season, and, and they were they were a bit of a freak. They were pretty much unbeatable. Um. But well, they, everyone, they didn't lose. Well, yeah, true. But and you know they were they were sweeping teams aside. But you know, so with Filton coming runners up last season, and and I think they're four wins from four in the league at the moment. Everyone's going to be looking at them, thinking, "Oh, yeah, they're going to they're going to win the league." They're going to, they are they are not unbeatable. We are, you know, I I think on our day, we we are we'll we'll see them off. I think we're we're a better team. We've got a, we've got a couple of games now before we play them, just to really get into our flow and really find a rhythm. 
but I, I, can't, I can't wait for that game. See where we're at. So, but for your mind, then, you know, as as a first team manager, you you've got to make sure the lads are kind of in that right headspace. Is it too early for you to be making sort of predictions, or are you just taking it game by game and you know hoping you know this this form continues? Oh, way way too early for predictions. You know, we've we've given ourselves a good a good base to build on. Couldn't ask any much more from the boys for for the for the base that we've got to build on. But yeah, there's there's still there's still much to come. No way am I gonna be making predictions. Like you know, we can talk about I don't I don't mind about I don't mind talking about being contenders, but you know, there's gonna be no talk of titles until the tail end of the season. Three games to go if 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 we're you know, if we're still going strong at that point. But no, it, it it would be foolish and naive of me and any of the players to, to, you know, look at us second in the league at the moment and think, yeah, we're going to be right up there. We're going to be right up there. By all means, take the confidence of that. But I think Eastern Cowboys is a is a reminder of that. We you know we we won our first couple of games. Confidence was high, and then it, it just didn't happen for us against Cowboys. It, it it just didn't, and I, and I think it was a stark reminder that if we don't turn up every single week with our A game and the right mentality and the right preparation, it's easy to come unstuck at this level. So I think everyone's learned. Hopefully, everyone's learned from that game. Yeah, the- those are definitely the games that can make a difference in the long run. You know, yeah. if you can if you can put those games to bed in, instead of turning up and just being I played because you were too confident, then you know, that's that's when things start to click into place. But you've got to remember, you've got to do that for 90 minutes, week in, week out, for the whole season. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, then talking of doing it for 90 minutes, let's um let's talk about that cup game. 2-0 down at half time, and then the magic happened. Yeah, it's funny. It's, you know, we di- we didn't play bad the first half. I think we were still, you know, in terms of football and possession and chances, we we were the better team, but we went in we went in it, Half time two nil. It was a funny one because you you know you you couldn't you couldn't help but think to yourself, oh this this is another one. It's not going to be our day. But at no point did I doubt that we were going to get the result that day. At never at, at any point. I I just knew that we we would get back into that game. Obviously Tom Tom came on off the bench at half time. It helps when he scores four and assists one, but. <laughs> Does he now qualify for the the title super sub, or is that a bit too much? To be honest, right, everyone on that day was super subs. Everyone that came off the bench, I think I said in my post-match interview, everyone was phenomenal. Finn Finn Wills at right-back came on and got about 30, 35 minutes. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. Very. This is how good he was. He very nearly got man of the match, considering he played just... Yeah, yeah, he he scored, but he, you know he nearly got man of the match. Very close, even though we only played thirty five minutes, and Tom scored four and and set one up. But you know, oh, imagine no. imagine Tom's face if you'd give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, it it was just one of those magic magical cup days. You know, it, it'd be a bit more magical if it was in a quarter final or a semi final or, or you know even a final. But it it was it was just one of those you know if. If some bloke walking his dog was watching the game, he'd thought, "Cool, they're they're dead and buried." And then if he stayed for a second half, it was just 
real, real good football, just goal after goal. It was intense. And it, it, I'll tell you what added to it. They, they, they made a few... Um, there was a bit of needle on Twitter, wasn't there, before? There, there was a little, <laughs> bit of, bit, little bit of Twitter beef with some, someone there end, um, you know, turn, I don't know, tried turning it a bit sour before the game, uh, had a little jab because, you know, we said we didn't have any white socks to play in. So, you know, to get the win and then, uh, uh, you know, I got all the boys together and to pose for a photo showing off their brand new white socks in front of their dugout. Yeah. I mean, that photo only cost us 153 quid, but you've kind of... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was a great day. And yeah, it'll, it'll certainly be a highlight, you know, doing a, a review at the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, some, some very good results there. And again, like the reserves, just, uh, just if it continues. Um, Jake, obviously you're, you're here to talk for the Colts again. So we've obviously ran through some of the results already so far this season, but... All in all, in terms of how it's going on the pitch, how's it looking? You know, the, the, the players picking, they're you know, playing some good football. Um, it, it's better. It's, it, I mean, obviously, carps might listen to this and think otherwise, but from from where I'm sitting, um, I, I definitely think it's improved from last year. Um, it, it's not by any means a walk in the park, obviously. Um, I'm looking at the results now. Like I said earlier, we got off to a good start. Like Bristol Wanderers, for example. Um, I don't know if they're a new team or a new team in the suburban, but they're a great outfit. And I know we're all saying it's too early for predictions, but I do think they're going to be out there come the end of the season. Um, coming from two 0 down to draw against um, them two two was a was a good start. And then obviously the week after beating Avon Mouth A. Another new team um, away at their place, three one, which I actually think um, led to a nine point weekend for the club for the first time since I've been here. It did um, indeed, yeah. Yeah, th- things were look- looking really good. Um, unfortunately, all losses since then. Um, one of which was a friendly, which obviously kind of it's not that it's not relevant, but you know it's uh we're we're mainly focusing on the league, and you got. Game against Southmead, and we knew that was going to be a tough game because they're flying again, another new team. Um, and they're flying, and since then, I actually think they've still got a hundred percent record. Um, yeah, they're they're five for five. They are so they are they are very much flying through that league, I believe. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and that was a that was that was a loss. Um, and then the week after that, a game was brought forward. Um, against Hartcliffe. Um, I wasn't there for that, but from what I hear, it, it started off really well. And again, just slipping off the mark, not putting the game to bed. Um, credit to Paul Cameron, new goalkeeper. Um, massive penalty saved that day as well, but unfortunately, losing that. And then since then, obviously, a loss in a friendly against Shaftesbury Crusade. Um, and then a buy in the um. GFA Cup to go through to round two and the next game this weekend coming is against Bitten. Um again, another new team. It just seems as though um Colts are just playing new teams. Obviously we don't know anything about them, but I'm sure it'd be a tough game regardless. Um see I think that you know, under the circumstances, you know, the, the Colts doing what the Colts is for, uh new management. I, I think it, it's if you put the results aside, it is going quite well. Just a couple of link, little iffy things that need to be squashed on the pitch. 
Um, and I think the Colts are going to be in for a good season. Yeah, and I mean, from I, I've seen the Colts a couple of times this season, and they do seem to have a, a bit of an identity. You know, I think Cox has gotten playing the nice football. Um, I know he's taken advantage of the the you know using some higher players a few times, but you know when you look at the players that are in and around that Colts squad, again, they're you know players there that have been all up and down reserves first team and you know they're they're kind of making their way between squads and with the youngsters you know I think that I think they are beginning to play some really good football and that's that's only going to improve yeah it, it's going to take time um everything takes time um and you know like you just said then with the amount of players that um Karps has had at his disposal um which the rule allows obviously because we haven't played five league games yet and um, I know it's not ideal for Hooper, um, but obviously because he's not playing hardly any games, Carps has got even more of a selection then as well. And obviously it's a bit of a sticky situation because you want to build a core squad. You know, when, when this five appearance rule comes in, that's when things are going to start settling down. Um, but just looking at the, the numbers, the Carps has used the most amount of players by quite a margin. Throughout the whole club, um, he's on thirty six players used. Um, Trutchy's on twenty five with the first, and obviously I know he only played one league game, but that's only fourteen. I think it's um, twenty seven now, Jake. Potentially, after, I am waiting for Lynn's response on something. <laughs> but, yeah, um, after after Joe Egglestaff and then Connor Collins having a little cameo off the bench, I think we're on twenty seven now. I've got Connor Collins now. I, besides the point, the um, it is a work in progress with the Colts. You know, this year is going to be the first year where we've implemented the youth. Obviously, we've got a new manager. It's it's just going to take time, but you know, we'll, we'll get yeah, there. definitely. Yeah, no, I agree, and and I think from from my point of view, as somebody who's kind of stepped back from from one team, so obviously I've stepped back from the first team this season. What it's allowed me to do is 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 kind of keep an eye on the rest of the club a bit more freely without kind of concentrating on one club. And I've got to, I've got to say credit to, to to everybody involved so far. I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing. I think the club's in a, a really, really strong position. Um, you know, we use the term that Trutchy used. It's, we, we, it seems that all three teams have, or are building a very good base. And I think you, you boys have put, Put all three squads and all three teams in some some brilliant positions to move forward with. Thanks. Yeah, I, feel, I, feel, I think. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, thanks, thanks, Ron. I think I think it, it it goes it goes as far as 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 it you know in terms of us as putting the the building blocks in place as managers. The credit also has to be shared with with the players who who do do the job. And regardless of where they're called up to, um, you know, put the shirt on and and give everything they can. And you know, despite the reserves not having as many games as as I would have liked up to this point, I've seen enough from the players that that have played first team and Colts up to this point to get a real to get a real idea of of what I want my core, you know, my core to be. And and Carps is is has really helped you know we talk about a friendly and it obviously it doesn't go down on the record for the season but you know getting a friendly 
organised it at short notice to give those players who otherwise would have just been sat around, not not really doing anything, to give them the opportunity to build that additional you know minutes on the pitch. But also, you know, getting the um, getting used to playing with each other on the on the pitch is has been has been massive, and it it should pay off as as each game goes on. It should pay off for the whole club. Definitely. And this is a bit of a bold statement to to talk to everybody, really. But to me, it feels like I I think there's always been a good atmosphere at West Ham. Is you know as long as I can remember from my spell ten years ago, even even to now, there's always been a, a a good a good atmosphere. But to me, at the moment, it feels it feels different. It it feels the most together I've ever felt the club feeling, and and I think that. That's running for all three squads. Uh, you know, we, we know there are going to be groups of people that get on better with others and, you know, do their own thing. We, we accept that. That's that's part and parcel of the, the game. But I feel even with that, the, the togetherness is brilliant at the moment. You know, Drax, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. It feels really together. But also to add to that, there's a lot of desire. I, I know full well there's players that have found themselves in the reserves uh, who, who you know have that desire and, and want to get into the first team? I know that there's players in the Colts that are you know desperate to work their way into the into the reserves team. There's it, it's a mixture of it being like a real good feel good together atmosphere and also that little bit of almost selfish for want of a better word that that you know when for for their own you know they want to push themselves as well, which is healthy. Everyone. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the difference between what you've just said then and, and what's happened in previous years is I think potentially we've had players before that have not liked where they've been picked to have had a strop, whereas now players are not getting picked for certain teams and working harder to, to get where they want to be. I think there's a, a massive difference between those two things. Yeah. And, and and in terms of quality as well, you, you know, there's there's players in the reserves who were who were more than capable of playing for the for, at first team level. There's players in the Colts that are more than capable of playing reserve team football, and it all comes down to that competition. The competition is so good and so strong. It's, it just feels like as a whole, as a club, we're in a very good place. Yeah, and I, I, you know, Hooper being kind of. Although you've only had the two games, you know you're you're in the middle of the, of, of the three squads, so you've got players coming from from both directions. Are you seeing that togetherness pass through the squads? Yeah, definitely. I, I said it earlier. I think it's the the best it's ever been at, at the club, and and that goes back to our playing days, Ron, as well. Um, it was kind of a bit siloed back in the day, where you know the reses kind of had like a core fifteen, sixteen, maybe, and the same with the firsts. And then you had the A's, and and there wasn't really a way for an A team player to 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 move up and move through the the different teams. I think pretty much me, Trotty, and you, Ron, were were probably the only three that I can think of that 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 sort of went up through those teams at the time. And that's that's not yeah. a knock on the management at the time. We had Gaff and we had Mini Gaff and Gav and a couple of others who who were obviously doing everything they could to to win games but it's it's that collective togetherness um 
that that you know when you look at it, it, it only leads to both, both you know positivity on and off the pitch. And 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 I think there's definitely players in the first team who can come down and play in the reses. I think there's definitely a cut, at least two that I can think of who can come and do a real good job for me <laughs> down in the reserves. On on that note as well, for me, like it was a highlight. The the game just gone, the Redbridge, the one nil win. Being on the opposite side of the pitch in the dugout at Lot Lees, I couldn't help but keep looking up and seeing, you know, f- fair play. They, they must have been gutted. The reserve team players with with the game called off what forty five minutes before kickoff or something ridiculous like that and just looking over at that balcony and just seeing this line of the Wessex family was just brilliant to see absolutely brilliant mind you they did they didn't uh they didn't play ball when I tried doing the old uh the Jurgen Klopp fist bump at the end so no I I, I might have been part and parcel of that not working out for you so <laughs> to paint to paint the picture for the for the listeners it, it full time all the players trudging off after giving you know a a huge amount of effort over ninety minutes. Trotty walks over, waddles over to the to the side <laughs> of the pitch, and he 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 starts beating his chest like you've seen Klopp doing after a after a one all draw at Anfield, like he does at the moment. But you've got to, you, you've got to thank the cop. Oh, sorry, that not the cop. The balcony at Lot Lees, haven't you? You you know you've yeah, got to thank yeah. the, that wall of support. So he he walks over, beat, starts beating his chest, and then sort of gestures for the for the lads on the balcony to, to to give him a bit of a cheer and to a man every single one of them just stood there and just looked at him and just shut their head and I then just started cheering for them not not for Trotty not for the first team but for for all the lads who who didn't yeah. rate didn't, didn't rise to it but <laughs> I can't say it, it's, it's, it's good it's good football banter in it yeah, yeah. If I was if I was still there, I would have ran up to the balcony and, and joined in you lot ignoring him. To be fair, yeah. um, <laughs> but just just to kind of just to round up the the Wessex chat then before we get on to some some real world football, if you like, Jake has the as the general manager of one of your roles has always been like a player liaison. Um, have you seen that that togetherness shift over the the sort of the last few months? Is is it is it becoming more positive? Is there less right? Or are you not really seeing a change yet? I, I think it's improving. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think there's still plenty of room for improvement with a couple of things. But I definitely feel um, it, it's improving. Um, I, I feel the club has come together. You know, we, we laid a few things out thick and thin over the summer because last season, you know, there was a lot of change. There was a lot of minor issues. It wasn't a season to remember, let's say. Um, and, you know... We, we laid a few things out over the summer about how things are going to be going forward and, and, and everybody aired concerns, questions, queries, whatever else, and, and everything was addressed. And I think that helped massively. Rather than not dealing with it and letting it become an issue, it was dealt with at the time. And I definitely think that that's helped because, you know, I've only been at the club since, like, May last year. Um, so if I'm going off of, based off of my time since then, Compared last year to now, the, the the difference is very good. Like I said, still still a few little iffy things to just iron out, but that's minor compared to what last year until. But when when you look at it, and I I agree with everything you've said, Jake, hundred percent. We're we're dealing with eighty plus players who all want to play on a Saturday, um, and we're also dealing with 
you know, the Reses last season, disappointing league result, still want to get promotion this season. Obviously, Trotty's, you know, he's he's being a bit careful with with his predictions, but there's no doubt that he'll want promotion this season because I, I know him too well. And he may not say it, but I know that he'll be wanting promotion. And those lads deserve a shot at that, at least, you know, to, to go in and, and to compete. But we as a club are looking to to progress through the, the steps of, of the leagues. And we've got to contend with, you know, dropping players. We've got to contend with players who, who are unhappy with playing time. But they're all dealing with it brilliantly well. And they're all talking about it and they're all doing... They're all going about it in the right sort of way rather than, you know, ditching tools or downing tools rather and and, and not wanting to, to make themselves available. I think the players and and the staff at the club are all managing that expectation really, really well. And, and that only, you know, enhances what we've got at the moment. Any player wanting to come into this environment will, will come into an environment where everyone's looking to compete, everyone wants the best. And the managers listen, and the GM listens. It's, it's, it's a good environment to be to be in. Definitely, fully agree. Yeah, fully agree with everything that's been said there. So I think what we'll do there is we'll, we'll round off the the Wessex chat. Um, and for our regular listeners, you'll know that normally what we do is at the end of the podcast we'll get our guests to do like a a a best starting eleven of the season or a starting eleven they've played with in in the past. Not going to do that tonight because obviously there's three of us, so it will take far too long. This podcast is already taking too long, but that's beside the point. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to do some some quick fire questions about the Premier League and 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 how that started so far. So I've got a few questions. Um, just before we do that, now let's just remind everybody who are we supporting here: Trachy, Liverpool fan, Liverpool fan, Super Arsenal. Yeah, I'm a gooner, mate. Myself, I'm a Man United fan. Uh, Jake, I, I don't know who you support. Is it? It's what it's some local team in it. Some sort of bag of rubbish. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't follow the Prem. To be fair, for for many reasons, I'm uh, I'm an EFL man. So I I'm a Bristol City man, which I know may get some cheers at the club, may get some boos, and I'm watching Hooper now give me a bit of a gesture, so that that <laughs> says, says his views on it. But yeah, I'm a Bristol City man. Well, you know, somebody's got to be out there, I suppose. There's, there's, a, <laughs> there's got, to be, got to be room for it somewhere. But what we'll yeah. do is we'll, we'll start off with, you know, it doesn't have to be Premier League, then I suppose we can talk about um, the EFL, um, or further field if we need to. But let's kick it off with, Signing of the season. Who's made a big impact for, for all you boys? Dominic Sobersly. We, I knew it was going to be a Liverpool player, even though nobody else even knows who that bloke is. You can't, you can't tell me he doesn't look like a saucy little player. He scored one goal on it. I think that's all he's done. <laughs> <laughs> so Dom, Dominic um, Slobovich for, for, for Trachy. <laughs> um... I, th- I think for me, I'm going to go for a similar sort of player for, for my team, um, Declan Rice. He's he's transformed. Similar player. What's that? Similar player. Yeah, midfielder. He's got your So so sit down. Um, 
I think it's, it's well documented what happened with Arsenal towards the end of last season. You know, I won't have that we bottled it. What but happened? We definitely did. But just, just but remind we us what happened. But we uh-huh. definitely didn't see it through. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, big money for Declan Rice, but he's come in and, and he's, he's, he's just yeah. changed the midfield. Um, and I'd, I'd almost argue that, you know, him and William Saliba are, are just absolute, they're just like Rolls Royce sort of players that, that any, I think any manager in the world would love to have at their club. Um, so, so for me, Declan Rice, he's, he's transformed the midfield for Arsenal and just made us look that step above where we were last season. Yeah, I think he's, he's definitely a player you needed. And for me, he's miles ahead of whoever it was, Trotsky said. Um, Slob- Slobodan uh, Milosevic or whatever his name is. Yeah, something like that. Um, so, Jake, who for you, Stan? Is there any 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 silence down, down the uh, city ground or your Tony Forbes squad player? <laughs> I, I was going to try and stick to the Premier League, but I got a feeling that everything's... I'm just going to be repeating things because I was going to say Declan Rice for Arsenal. <clears throat> um, if I'm staying local, again, some listeners may know, some may not. Um, I'm, you're not going to know. I'm, I'm going to say Jason Knight. Um, young Irish lad we bought from Derby over the summer and he's, he's just been absolutely electric since we've had him. Um, so he has my vote. What um, what position is he? What sort of player? He's like he? a he, he's he's like a central midfielder. He can play anywhere across the middle, really. Um, he, he'll never quite live up to the standards that Alex Scott was going through. Um, but he's definitely proven a point since he's been here. He's mainly been like a central mid attacking midfielder. Um. Scored a couple of bangers against um, oh I can't remember who it was. I think it was Oxford in the cup. Um, so is yeah, he is he a, is he a youngster sort of destined for greater things or is he just find his level? I don't think he. I'll be honest. I don't think he'll be here long. Typical Bristol City can't keep hold of any of their good players because we can't shift ourselves up the league. Any time either either Trush has got his number, Annie. <laughs> if only. <laughs> But no, I, I don't think he'll be here long. I, if I'm honest, I reckon he'll be here a couple of years. And if we don't sort out our league position, I think he'll be gone. Same with a few other lads, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the trouble, isn't it? Like you know, when you drop down to those divisions, as soon as as soon as you get somebody with with half a bit of talent, you know, the the lower half of the Premier League comes calling. If you've only got to look at, is it a ball you've got? Yeah, well, and United yeah, lose yeah. a few, wouldn't they? Less than <laughs> Um, <laughs> you've only got to look at the uh, the Bournemouth squad to see that you know they've got three or four ex City players on the books at the moment, haven't they? Yeah, they we're we're like um, Southampton, Liverpool, a feeder to Bournemouth. Any anything that comes through the door, literally goes straight to Bournemouth, and we've already apparently set a thirty five million pound price tag on Tommy Conway, another one of our academy players who uh, we know is going to get a bit of interest and more cracking jokes saying Bournemouth can do one. So on, but yeah, we're we're like a feeder club at the moment to Bournemouth, and it's very frustrating. Yeah, I I I, I can I can uh, definitely feel your pain being frustrated with something in a minute as a Man United fan. Um, I I would try and pick a sign of the season for Man United, but I don't think we've got one. <laughs> well, I think probably we've we've just signed the doctor from Arsenal. Apparently, he's quite good. <laughs> I'll 
tell you what, again, again, looking at it from a Liverpool fan perspective, for me, one of the sign-ins of the summer has been Andre Onana. I was going to well, say that. That, that brings me um, mostly on to the, the second question, is which is a honky of the season so far. And I think I think we'd probably uh, be Onana hands down at that one. Or Todd Bowley. Yeah. Spend, spend a billion quid and you still need at least two more players to to, com- to compete for top half of the Premier League yeah I am enjoying it at the moment I've got, I got to say yeah, maybe, so, maybe, so top... maybe um, Romeo Lavia Lavia however you say it you know, he ain't he ain't hit the heights has he I mean you look at their you look at their squad on Saturday and I, I don't I don't recognise after names in, in that Chelsea squad at the minute. You know, you think when you, you've spent a billion pounds on players in, in 18 months, you'd have some superstars in there, but I can't see that I uh, I can't say that I see any. No. no they've gone no. the other way. I think Arsenal last season competed for, you know, 35, 34 games with, with a very, very young squad. And I don't know whether they'd seen that as a blueprint, Chelsea. And they've just signed, you know, there, there's some there's some quality players there, but probably in two or three years' time. And Chelsea have never really been that in their entire 15-year history. They've always signed big players for now. It, you know, in this, you look at like Hoyland for United. He's he's not he's a player for now. You can tell that already. Like you know, he, he's he's a very he's not a budget. Haaland, but in his own right, he's a very good player. Um, but for Chelsea, though, I just don't see any of their their young lads that they've that they've signed that I would I would even look at as an Arsenal fan and go, oh, I'd love to have him. And usually they do, like you know, historically when they sign, he's Eden Hazard at 22, 23 years old. I think every anyone who'd ever played football manager knew straight away he was going to be an unreal sign in for them. Um, but yeah, flop of the season so far has to go to has to go to Onana because he's been shocking. Oh, he's been terrible. So, so as as a Man United fan, um, I've been saying for the last probably two or three years that David de Gea was kind of coming to the end of end of his his tenure, just because I think he he came in at a time when we were in, in the back end of our success. So he kind of had that protection. And, you know, he went through a couple of seasons. I care what anyone says. He, he was world-class for a couple of years. But that decline for me started probably five or six years ago. You know, you look at that time when he nearly went to Real Madrid and the, the mm. fax machine so he broke. I think <laughs> that would have been perfect timing for us because we would have got Keylor Navas, um, from Real Madrid, and I, I think the, the the kind of the legendary status that De Gea would have had at Man United at that point would still be there now. And I think the way his career went, I, you know, I, I think the club dealt with it tremendously bad the way that he left. Um, I think the timing was right, and I think it was all about that replacement. We had the same with Schmeichel when when he left. We we couldn't replace him. You know, we had some absolute. Tosh came to the club. You are, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, now I'm not that old. I think you replaced Michael with Mark Bosnich. That didn't work out. Then Massimo Taibi. That didn't work no. out. And eventually you end up with Fabian Bartes, didn't you? 
Yeah, so Taibi was never supposed to be a number one. We had, we, we had more than that. We had Mark Bosnidge. Um, Tim Howard. Taibi, Tim Howard. Andy Gorham came in for a spell on loan from Rangers. Um, oh. Then we ended up with Mark, uh, Fabian Bartes in. I know you put Fabian Bartes in the, the bad signing category. It, it didn't rectify itself until we got um, Edwin van der Sar from Fulham. But yeah. um, I, and I, I think... What we've done, you know, you, you talk of going from Schmeichel to, to Bosnich. I think going from De Gea to Onana is probably a bigger downgrade than that. I think it was kind of like the jury was out a little bit because, you know, we were talking about this ball-playing goalkeeper. But he's just been terrible. He's he's just been absolutely horrendous. It's, what, what he gives us in playing, playing out from the back it's not made up for in in yep. as a goalkeeper, and it's it's just no, but, been horrendous. But who's he, who's he playing into? Like that's that's I I had this chat on the weekend with a couple of the lads after the first team game. You know, Anana wants to play out from the back. He looks in front of him. What does he see? You know, he sees Harry Maguire. He sees um, Johnny I Evans. Say, I was going to say John O'Shea, but yes, yeah, Johnny Johnny Evans. You know, I take I take John O'Shea at this point. I think I, I think I think Ten Hag would as well, to be fair. But I, I think I think there's a good goalkeeper in there. He, him with you know almost getting you know he got to the Champions League final with Inter Milan. There's definitely a player in there, but is he is he a United player? And the issue is the social media noise, the Sky Sports coverage is is filled with ex United. Pros, you know, you've got Roy Keane and Gary Neville on the overlap podcasts and all that. All they do is rinse, rinse United all, all day long. That's like their job, and it's not going to get any easier for United. Um, the, the the biggest thing I see for them is is lack of depth. You look at you look at Arsenal. The massive talking point at the moment is I can't believe Arsenal have got almost two number ones in 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 Raya and Ramsdale. I think United would. Would give everything to have one of them on their books, because there's no depth behind Anana. You can't drop Anana and get quality. You get, you get some bloke I've never heard of. Yeah, so we signed that Turkish fella, um, Atali Balkador or something. Like that. I, don't, I don't really know. I, I've, I've you heard support his... him. You don't even know his name. Al Altai Bayindir. That that's that's how detached I am from it at the moment is I, I don't even I couldn't even tell you what his name was I've heard good things about him spell. yeah <laughs> but the, the trouble is when when you're and you know this is for any Premier League club if you like you you shouldn't ever have to be signing players you've never heard of you know especially at a club you know you look at the, the traditional top six teams you should only ever be signing top top players and I, I don't think we've done that in the goalkeeping department, and yeah, you know, when you look, you look at our back four. Uh, when we, we, you know, ultimately we beat Brentford with a, a ninety third and a ninety seventh minute goal, but our back four was Victor Lindelof at right back, Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans centre back, and Dallo at left back, who's a right back. So, I think yes, Unana is, has not had, is not had the best of, of kind of starts to the players in front of him. But then you look at some of the goals he's conceded, straight through his hands, straight through his wrists, underneath his body. Yeah, for, for me, he's nailed on for, for, for Donkey in the season so far. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. 
Jake, any any donkeys down in the EFL? Um, I don't really know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say no because I haven't been following it as of late. But off, I'm I'm going to take a switch to the Premier League because oh oh I know, I know. Um, then I'm going to have to Google him because I can't pronounce his name. He's a Chelsea lad. Don't just do um, just just do just say what like I do. Just say something and, and we'll guess who it is. Trust you know who it is. I don't even know. I'm not even going to try and... He's a Ukrainian lad. Who for? Uh, M- M- Madrid. 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 Oh, I've Googled him. Michaelio Mudrich. Whatever Mikhail Mudrich, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he, 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 um, came, he came in January, didn't he? Either way, he's been crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, he's scored, yeah, he scored last week, I think. Yeah, but that was his first goal, wasn't it? That was his first mm. goal, yeah. And he was eight, like you just said then earlier on with Bodie, he's 80 million quid and he scored one goal in 11 months nearly, 10 months. And yeah, and there's a couple of the Chelsea supporters at the club. Um, so they may thank me for that, but yeah, I, I think he's been crap. I don't follow the Premier League as much, but I've, I've seen the stories and I've seen things, and he's just woeful, in my opinion. There's a, it's a, lot, yeah. of, a, a lot of issues at Chelsea, and I think. The, the money spent around it, pretty much every player is is it's obviously huge. When you spend eighty million quid on on a on a on any player, there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of a lot of eyes on them, a lot of critique. And you know, I've seen it with Kai Havertz for for Arsenal. You know, we we spent the same pretty much the same amount of money on on Havertz as as Chelsea did on on Mudrick and. You know the the noise around some of these players is is absolutely insane. I think Nunes at Liverpool as well. There was so much pressure on on these young lads who who, who signed for these big clubs. I mean, I don't think Liverpool are, are a big club anymore. But you know, when you're when you compete when you compete when you compete when you're competing in the conference was it the Conference League you're in this season? Yeah. Your your signing of the season not, not the Conference season. the Europa League. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they made it to the Europa League today. That's nice for them, isn't it? You're, you're not going to get a nibbly nibbly nibble out of me tonight. <laughs> no, it's transition. It's a transition season. Well, last season. How can, you, transition. How, can you, how can you transition with the same manager? With, with different players. Yeah, that's, that's not a transition. That's, that's the failing on the manager's part to update your squad. No. Yeah, I've I've got I've got to agree. Like when you lost, you you, you sold your your core midfield, Fabinho, Henderson. You, know, you you got rid of, it and it almost felt like there was no backup. I got to say, Sobberslai's come in, and he, he looks he looks all right, but it still feels like Liverpool are running it sort of like fifty percent of what they could be. When you look when they when you look at was it three three or four seasons ago they took Man City to the to the brink, you know, I think, didn't you get a hundred points and still didn't win the league or something ridiculous yeah. like that? It was 98 points, wasn't it? I think. I mean, that's insanity. Liverpool are nowhere near that anymore. Nowhere near. I actually, I, I heard an interesting fact um, to, to, today, I think it was on the radio, where they, they've actually worked out that if VAR wasn't currently in existence oh, and God. they took up VAR. They took away all the VAR decisions so far this season. 
Yeah. Obviously, you don't find that as interesting as I did. He's starstruck by that. I, I mean, I switched off as soon as I heard the word VAR. It's, <laughs> they got to sort that out, mine, haven't they? I mean, how, how, how can you have something so so simple and so important just wrong, well, getting it well, wrong? V, v, VAR is on my list of list of things to discuss. So as soon as it's come up naturally, what are your thoughts on it, Chuck? Are you enjoying it? It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's in, it's just embarrassing. Like it, for, I mean, that, for, that goal that they, they that they ruled out for Liverpool the other day. When have you? I don't know if you've heard the 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 audio. It's it's oh, just embarrassing. It's I just embarrassing. It, it, it's it? shocking. You know, if if if, it, if I went a Liverpool fan and it didn't affect me, I'd I'd be I'd be just laughing at how comical it was. But like, mm. I mean, what are the implications? Say, say we miss out on the title by a point, or heaven forbid, Champions League spot by a point. You know, there has to be a massive lawsuit there, surely, through like I don't, I don't know, negligence or I don't know. I, I, well, I, I, don't mean, know but... I don't know if you can remember, but there was a I think it was Southampton against Sheffield United going back about three or four seasons ago, and it was the only game that I can remember, and it might be the only game ever where the goal line technology didn't work. And I think it was Sheffield Villa, United yeah. scored. Or yeah, it was... so it was Villa Villa scored and the the fact that it went over the line wasn't recorded properly. And then I think at the end at the end of the season it worked out Southampton stayed up, Villa went down, and it was Villa who scored the goal. And if that goal would have stood, they would have stayed up. Like the implications on this is is massive. And they've just got to get it right. There's no excuse for it. And I've seen the the Mike Dean against Paul Merson on the Soccer Saturday clip. I don't know whether you boys have seen it as well. You know, Mike Dean's not giving decisions because his mate's on the pitch and he don't want to give a second yellow because he don't want his mate getting a load of grief. Yet then defends the indefensible. Diaz is onside by a country mile in VAR terms. And and they've just not communicated well enough and, and it's, cost, it's, it's cost Liverpool against... A team that I hate, but regardless of that, it's just it's just a shambles. They need to bin it. I think they just need to get rid of it. Bring in this. Is it the automated offside where they they draw the? I think it's like the digital players, and then it it, it does it by itself. You don't even need a bloke or seven blokes sat in um, St yeah. George's Park doing it. It's just so done by a computer. It, it's a it's a semi automated um, mm. offside and. I, I, you know, I think you know the option of, of bin it and replace it. I, I don't think we're ever going to go there now. I think it's just the way it's being done. You look at you look at all the top leagues in Europe. They've all got the VAR, but they've got it alongside this um, semi-automated offside decisions. And I, I think ultimately, what happened in the Premier League was it was put to a vote for the clubs, and the clubs ultimately said no because it would have meant they had to spend a couple of extra grand to, to fit the equipment. Um, redo, redo the vote now. I wonder how it look. <laughs> I, I just think it. My, my view on that is why were, why were the clubs given the option? You know, why was it not just implemented? Goal line technology was implemented. VAR has been implemented. Why are they then? You know, you, you don't see controversial decisions coming from Serie A or La Liga or, or all these other leagues on a weekly basis. It only seems to be us. So it can't be the equipment. It's got to be the people using it. Surely. Yeah. It's I think you've got to look outside the sport. I think you've got to look at like rugby and tennis and look how 
um, the the technology has positive impact positively impacted the game there. Like with with the refs in the rugby, obviously they've got the Rugby World Cup on at the moment, and I'm not a massive fan of egg chasing by any stretch, but you hear everything. Like the the, the refs are mic'd up, you hear it on the on the broadcast, so you know exactly what's going on. In football, sometimes there's a two or three minute like deathly silence, and all you hear is Jamie Carragher or Gary Neville making silly noises about how, what they think the interpretation should be. Oh, that's a bad one. Half the time it ain't. Half the time it's not a bad one. They freeze frame it, make it look like the contacts, you know, malicious. And it's it's just not. Like, we've all played football. I've put in some disgusting challenges over over the years. And I, I know I know Trachy definitely has. I've seen it. But it's, they're taking the love out of the game. Like I, I watched the game on, on Saturday, the, the Man City, Arsenal-Man City game. Sorry, on Sunday. We score a goal. And I am even celebrated. I've stood up and I'm I'm waiting for VAR to make their decision because I I don't even know whether we've just scored the winning goal in the 86th, 87th minute. And it, it yeah. kind of just take it kind of just takes the I don't know the the joy out of it for me. Yeah, a little bit. I agree. I, I agree. I I did the same in the Man United Brentford game. You know, we we scored a goal in the ninety third and ninety seventh minute and. I, I didn't celebrate, like you just said then, I didn't celebrate either of them because it was like, right, what, what, why is that goal going to get ruled out? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Do, do they do they get this problem in the, in the championship, Jake? Because they've got VAR down there. They haven't. Not, no, thank, thank God. They they haven't and, and they can keep it away. Because I, I was going to jump on the um, Arsenal-Man City game from, from the weekend and with that, what's his name from Man City? Is it Kovacic? yeah, yeah. Mate, like that, that that was two red cards in itself, let alone just the one. And you've seen tackles this season in the Prem, well, in all the leagues where red cards have been dished out for literally like they're going out of fashion. You get Kovacic, who's a bit of a madman as it is, and he's gone and done two tackles like that in the space of six minutes. And it, it just makes you think, like you said, it's the people running it. Um, and it's like the whole, um, the audio against Liverpool, Tottenham, I that's the ref for me because the guys, I mean, I don't think it was clear enough, but the referees literally just jumped the gun. Yeah, that's offside as you go. To, to, to be fair, the, the audio is, is is a shambles. Like they, they've, in, they've interpreted that they've said that the, it's onside on the pitch and then they've said check complete. So the ref's just on the receiving end of it. Yeah. It's... it's and it's, it's some, apparently it's a Dutch guy who's an intern for the FA or PGMOL, whatever it is. Give it a rest. Like, it, it, it needs to be it, run properly. We're talking about a billion, billion pound league where, you know, the, the exactly, but it, it's, it's being dictated and it's being decided by guys who have never probably played proper football, even at grassroots level, probably. Mm who just don't have a clue. Like, it means I, so much to players. It means so much to fans. You've had fans who have paid hundreds and hundreds of pounds to sit in the stadium. And and they're 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 just completely uh, their weekends are ruined. And it and and like I said earlier, it could come down to a, a team not qualifying for a for a Champions League, not winning the title, hopefully for Tottenham, neither. They, they hopefully they finish mid table. But it could mean so much 
And you look at Curtis Jones, he's got to spend three weeks, what was it, three games on the bench three or match. on the side? Three yeah, three match yeah. ban for for a challenge that when you look at it in the freeze frame, oh, it's 100% a red card. But actually, when you look at what's happened, his foot's deflected off the ball and he's gone high on the player. Yeah. And he gets given, he gets given I, I, instead of the yellow, he gets given straight red. I, I think this guard should be used for literally two things. I, I think it should be used for goal line technology if and when that packed in. That, that You've seen that plenty of times. I think it was the opening day of the Premier League last year. Was it? No. Or even this year, it was a Villa game. And it, it, the keeper caught it. He's gone pushed into the net and the rest of the play on. I, I think it should be used for goal line technology when that doesn't work and mistaken identity. We, we've managed over 100 years with just the officials on the pitch. I don't know why. Well, that's just as long as you've been alive, Jake. I'm the youngest one in here. <laughs> you, look, you look the oldest and I had to stop I know, myself from swearing. I know, but yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think... I, I think it should just be those two things, mistaken identity and goal line technology when that doesn't work for whatever reason. Apart from that, I think you just crack on as normal. Because like you said, yeah. it, it takes the fun out of it. Going, I, I going back as well, go, going back oh. as well to what Oprah said, that Curtis Jones one, it's it's all about it's first impressions and like make and almost getting in the referee's head that when he's walked over to that screen, the first thing he finds on that screen is a freeze frame of Curtis, uh, Curtis Jones's boot past the ball, making contact with the shin. That automatically plants a seed in the, in the referee's brain. In his brain, let 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 him see the whole thing through first, and then you know, then then supply him at, with whatever. At, at match speed, it can't be like, oh, we're going to slow it down yeah. to point two five. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But yeah. Again, this this is this is the people running it. So if you look at if you look at the 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 IFAB laws of the game when it comes to VAR, it, it doesn't state how you how you have to use VAR other than you use it for you know penalty decisions, red card decisions. What the what the the English Premier League have decided is the process they follow VAR is they're gonna especially for red card decisions, is they're gonna start on the point of contact, i.e. like Judge just said, the the freeze frame that's there when the referee looks at the screen is that point of contact. Now, every single time I've seen a point of contact picture, it's a red card. Because a freeze frame of a point of contact always looks like a red card. But of course it does. Yeah, most, cha- most, cha- many... most challenges will. <laughs> most challenges will if you yeah, freeze frame it. And, and again, I, that, that for me, it's not down to the technology. I, I don't think there's a problem with the technology. It's the use of it. And I think yeah. as, a, as, a, as a league, which... Is supposed to be so far ahead in so many different ways. We are miles behind in the use of VAR. And I, I think it's probably, it's, you know, it's going to start damaging the reputation of the league if it hasn't done already. Yeah. Was it World Cup 2022? No, no, no. That was, it, I think it was the first World Cup where they had VAR. It was 2018, wasn't it? It was Russia. Yeah, Brilliant. Russia, yeah. And it was so clean. It was, Quick, they they nailed pretty much every decision. Yeah, okay, we didn't hear the comms about what what they were saying, but it just felt. And I I came away from that tournament thinking I want VAR now. Now yeah, I, so, I, I want I want anything but. So the 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 twenty eighteen World Cup was with the introduction of the VAR. They tested it in um, 
in the Dutch, what's the Dutch league called? Well, yeah. So, so they they tested it and perfected it there, and essentially they used that as the as the the model. And then effectively every other league around Europe that employed VAR used that Dutch model. Even up till now, they use that Dutch model, except for the Premier League. The Premier League wrote their own use of it, and I think it shows. Um, yeah, it's bad. I mean, VAR wise. As, as you see from Sky Sports News and everything else, we could sit here for hours talking about the, the wise and the wherefores. So I'm going to move us on to the next question. Um, that, was a, that, was a bad, gonna... that was a bad one, Ron. That was a bad one. You shouldn't have brought that um, one in. That was a bad yeah, one. So I, I put that at the bottom as like, a, in case we've got time sort of thing. I, I should have just ignored it. Um, <laughs> so this one, yeah, just on the, just what I'm, what I'm planning on doing is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep a note of all of these through the season and we're going to tally them up at the end of the season. And obviously, we're only eight games in, but I want to talk title predictions. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the table now. We're eight games in. We've got currently got Spurs and Arsenal, top of the table, 20 points each, both unbeaten, followed by Man City on 18 points, and then Liverpool on 17 points in fourth. What are we all thinking? Who's, who, is, is there anybody capable of keeping up with Man City for the entire league season? No. Man City, they'll do it. So you're going to nail that straight on the mass man city off straight away, yeah? Yeah. Cooper, what are you thinking? Arsenal started the season strong. 20 points from eight games. Played, played eight, won six, drawn two. 20 points looking looking comfortable so far? Yes, early days. Um, I, I, I've got to say, like when, when you look at the strength of the league, it's a, it's a ridiculous league. But I think Man, I think man City will... Their quality will come through. They, they they played Arsenal the weekend. They didn't have two or three of their their better players. Um, you know we didn't have Saka, but I, I still think on paper Man City are the best team in the league, and I I think they will. I think they'll do it, and I think they'll do it at Cantor. I think they'll they'll come alive like they usually do early part of, of the new year, and they'll just walk away with it. Unfortunately, so that 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 will be number four in a row. I think, wouldn't it, Jake? Are you are you thinking the same thing, or again, is it not something that you you follow too closely? It, it's, uh, I mean, I keep an eye on it. It's not something that I'm die hard for, but I, uh, I, I want. I don't know. I, I don't think Liverpool are going to cut it. Sorry, Trash. <laughs> um, I, I'd like to say I think Man City would go for it again, but again. I'm not entirely sure based on recent events. I, I'll be honest, I'm glad Hooper's walked away from the screen. Uh, I would like to see Tottenham give it a go because... Oh, controversy. I know, I know. I know. We can probably hear me and all because he's got pods in, actually. I just remembered. But I, <laughs> I, <laughs> a couple of years ago, like, I think it was when Leicester won the league. I, I, I'm happy that Leicester won it, but I was also secretly rooting for Tottenham because it's like I got a little soft spot for them. But I also really like their manager, Big Ange, because I I don't follow them, but because of my Irish background, like it's I'm Celtic, you know, so I, I've always kept an eye on Celtic and, you know, I've been to a couple of games and, you know, I'm not a supporter, but I, I keep an eye on them, if you will. But... I've always been a big. Uh, no, you know, he's he's clenching his fists at me now. <laughs> but um, but no, I've always been a big admirer of Ange, and you know he he's gone up to Celtic. He's won 
everything there. And, you know, he, he's coming down to Tottenham again in, into a very difficult league with a team that's, you know, lost the best striker in the world at the moment. And he's still top of the league, on albeit on goal difference. But I, I, um, yeah, I, I would like to see. I know Hoops is going to kick my back end for it, but I would like to see Tottenham give it a go. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stick you down the Spurs then, Jake, all right? Just to make it a bit different. <laughs> yeah, all right. Just, just to back up what Jake said, not not only has Ange Postacoglu got, got on playing attractive football, which the Tottenham fans have been crying out for for years, he also he, he just seems like a cracking bloke, doesn't he? he, he yeah. I, I'd love to sit down with him over a few beers and just chat football. He, he, oh, he, he, he reminds me. He reminds me of Harry Redknapp. Yeah, he's, he's just he's just like salt of the earth. Now, don't get me wrong, Jake. I I despise you now for that, but <laughs> but I've got to say, like what he's got Spurs doing now reminds me of what Potocino did a couple of years. Was it four, four or five years back? You know, when they got to the Champions League final. Spurs are not a good. They're they're not a, an easy side to play against in any in any stretch, um, and they've got some gritty players in there. I think Kulisevsky flies under everybody's radar. He's he's such a good footballer, and he's 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 coming for you from Juventus for literally nothing in today's you know today's transfer dealings that goes around. They are they are a difficult side. I I do think they're still a bit too young, maybe a little bit too naive to go through difficult patches but you know from where they are up to this point you've got you've got to put them in there for you know competing for Champions League spots the same it's, it's the same as Arsenal it's the same as Liverpool um you know they're up there and they're in the mix but I I, I look I look at and I, I I'm the same as I'm the same as Trudge I, I seen like a social media thing a couple of weeks back where he he's just doing like a and a and he just comes across as just such a just such a down to earth sort of bloke, and I got to respect it. He, he's come in to a difficult club. I don't know why there are such high expectations at Tottenham. They haven't got a history. All they've done is you know sort of fifth, sixth, seventh in the league for, for their entire existence. But and there's a one. The Arsenal like nine times in the last ten years. Um, they finished. They I think they finished in front of Arsenal. Five for five consecutive seasons, yeah. Uh, up until that, uh, uh, up until last season. Oh, but okay. they haven't won a tr- they haven't won a trophy since was it the Carlin Cup in two thousand and two or something like that. You know, top top, but but Tottenham are a threat. Like all all jokes aside, I came away from that North London derby a month ago happy with a draw because we looked shaky and Tottenham didn't, and that was it. That was at our place. So, so I am, I, am I changing your prediction to Spurs then, Hooper? Absolutely not. No way. <laughs> no way. Cool. I, 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 I'd back Chelsea to finish above Tottenham in the in the Premier League. No <laughs> way. What this season? For the title, no. I would. For the not title, chance. I would. For well, the title, season? I would. For the title, I would. Yeah. Top, Tottenham and God. That for the title. So Jake mentioned the Leicester win, yeah. So in that in that league, it was a two horse race for the title. Leicester and Tottenham. Tottenham came third. I'm dropping my imaginary mic. That was a very that was a 
That was a very poignant finish. Um, so I'm just going to round that up very quickly. This, I want I want a quick fire answer for this one. We're going to go to the other end of the table. Uh, relegation predictions. I want three teams from you. Um, as it stands, we've got Sheffield United on one point, Bournemouth on three, Burnley on four, Luton on four, Everton on seven, and Brentford on seven. That goes up to 15. I want three teams from each of you, and we're going to make a note, and we're going to revisit end of the season. Trachi, we'll start with you. Oh, um, if I was to pick three, I'd say I think uh, Sheffield United didn't do enough recruitment-wise. They didn't get enough Prem experience. Sheff- Sheffield United, certainly for me. Um, I think Bournemouth will come good. You'd have to say Luton. You know, they, they've done OK. They've had a tough start to the season, fixture-wise, but... Certainly for me, Sheffield United and Luton. And then I'm probably going to go... Sheffield United, Luton. I'd love... I'd love... No, actually, I I wouldn't like Everton to go down. I do like... I think that would take away from the Premier League having the Merseyside Derby. Let's go... I'm going to go for the current bottom three. No, actually, Bournemouth are in that. I reckon they'll they'll be all right. I'm going to go Sheffield United. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to go Sheffield United, Luton and Burnley. Burnley? Jake, what are you saying? Um, remind me of the bottom five, quick. So you've got Sheffield United on one, Bournemouth on three, Burnley on four, Luton on four, Everton on seven, Brentford on seven. I, I think it would be the three that went up. I think it would be Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United. I think it's Luton would be bottom. I think it would be Luton bottom, Sheffield United 19th, and then Burnley 18th. So you've gone the same as, as Trachy. Hooper, what are you saying? So I think it'll be Wolves. Hey? Wolves? I think they'll lose players in January. There's a, there's a lot of talk around that they've still got um, transfer sort of issues around their club. So I think Wolves will go down. They're only on eight points. They're only a point ahead of Brent. Brentford. Are going to be nowhere near that at the end of the season. You, They're too you, good. Also, got to remember they they at the very last minute hired Gary O'Neill, didn't they? Just just at the start of the season, he's not got much of a managerial history other than just about keeping Bournemouth in the league last season. Yeah, I, I think Wolves will go down. Uh, I think Luton will go down. It breaks my heart. Tom Lock here, their captain, obviously ex ex Gasshead. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Quality quality centre back in the in the championship. I don't I don't think he's got quite a, got quite a about him in in the prem. Um, and I think Bournemouth will go down. Bournemouth. They'll swap managers after the international break. I think they're 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 not on a good spot. Bournemouth. They they don't look good enough. Um. So yeah, but that's that's my shout. Wolves, Luton, so, and Bournemouth. So just just to check mine in, I've gone with Sheffield United. And Luton, which seems to be the general consensus, and I am going to put Everton, just because for what is it now for the last three or four seasons they've just narrowly avoided relegation, and it's just getting boring. It's just like going out to <laughs> rebuild, like get go away for a bit, and then come back, come back stronger, as the old Peter Crouch would say. Bit like Southampton, that was one. It Southampton avoided it by the skin of their teeth for season after season, then they went down. They end up having, a, I think they had a double relegation, didn't they? Southampton yeah, they went up to the like, league one, didn't they? 
Yeah, and then just restructured, got a lot of kids through the academy and, and oh, came Ricky back. Ricky Lambert. Out. Yeah. Ricky Lambert, yeah. Southampton legend. Liverpool legend as well, actually, wasn't he? And, and, and a, and uh, a Liverpool Bristol player. Rivers legend as well, yeah. <laughs> and, a, and a Ravens legend, yeah. Um, yeah, we, yeah we, so we actually replaced Luis Suarez with Ricky Lambert, didn't we? <laughs> a stupid bit of business, that is. Yeah. I think that's an, that's an upgrade in everyone's book. Um, so I think for me, guys, Thanks, that Wes. just about rounds out. We've we've got some uh, we've got some interesting um, interesting information from tonight. We've got some interesting relegations to look forward to at the end of the season. And pretty much everyone thinks Man City are gonna gonna win the league, apart from Jake, who's all of a sudden become a Spurs fan. So thank you very much to my guest. What an idiot! You well, didn't uh, tour, then. You did, didn't you? <laughs> Family podcast. So hopefully in the next few weeks, we'll get a couple of more of these put together. We're, we're looking to hopefully get John on so we can introduce you to everybody who hasn't hasn't seen or spoken to John yet. But other than that, uh, thank you guys for joining me tonight for the first episode of the series. Thank you again to our, our sponsors and uh, we will see you all soon. Can I, can I just can I just jump in just one sec? No, I, no, I've done the outro now, so that's no, I got, it. I got, I got, to, I got to do it. I, I got, I got to thank every player that's put their boots on for Wessex so far this season and has contributed to such a positive start. And long may it continue. You know, Hooper's played this season, don't you? Yeah. Cheers, Hoops. Ne- nearly, nearly scored as well. Nearly. <laughs> yeah, if, if, nearly. If that ball was about six foot lower, I think you might have had a chance. <laughs> that's unkind. Five and but a half, yeah, anyway, yeah. So either way, you were you weren't even getting that in your good days, I didn't think. Uh, but no, yeah, I wasn't. Just, You're not wrong. <laughs> echoing what Tracy says, thank you to everybody who's uh, who's who's graced this club with their presence this season. Thank you to all the listeners, and we will see you again soon. Up the Wessex. Cheers. Up the Wessex. Cheers. 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 Cheers.